Hello everyone, welcome to the Cyber Weekly. The Cyber Weekly is a podcast that talks about cyber security. Me, the Russian Sokilo, your host, and Josephine Love, my co-host. This week, uh, we will be diving into a book called uh, The 80-20 Principles by Richard Koch. That is hopefully, that's how they pronounce it. Then, uh, yeah, basically that. And uh, we'll be going through different aspects of the book and the the lessons we picked out of the book. Uh, but uh, this is going to be the Josephine show. So she'll be answering all the questions, hopefully. <laughs> we'll, we'll be mixing up. We'll be mixing it up with you answering some as well, though. <laughs> I was throwing you under the bus, but... <laughs> no, that can't, that can't happen. <laughs> okay. So, um, now, the first thing is... Um, uh, the book uh, has 16 chapters and um, it's basically based on um, Wilfredo. I had to write down the name because I wasn't sure I would remember it. Wilfredo Pareto uh, is an Italian who came up with this 80 uh, 20 principle and it's also called Pareto principle, uh, basing on the person who actually came up with it. And the whole aspect with it is um, we are supposed to, eh, I'll leave it for Josephine to explain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's how it came out. Uh, and uh, I think uh, before me uh, ruining things, Josephine should take over. So, <laughs> yeah, so those are one of the things that I found out about uh, uh, the 80-20 principles. Uh, yeah, uh, let's get started. Um, now, first and foremost, uh, what is the book all about? Okay, it, it basically looks at the 8020 principle and the 8020 principle applied to all the areas of your life, whether it is um, personal life, business, in a- any area, but essentially, it looks at as you said, rightly said, that it was a phenomenon that uh, Wilfredo Pareto discovered when he was looking at at wealth. It was discovered in 1896. He was looking at wealth distribution. And he found that most income and wealth went to a minority of people in his samples. And there was a consistent relationship between the proportion of people and the amount of income or wealth that this group in, in, enjoyed. Um, and that's that's the basis of it. So, the eighty twenty principle states that eighty percent of outputs come from just twenty percent of inputs, and it applies across many domains in life. In business, for instance, twenty percent of products or customers usually account for about eighty percent of an organization's profits. In society, there's also there's also the pattern where, which observes that, for instance, twenty percent of criminals account for 80% of, of crime, 20% of motorists account for 80% of accidents, uh, 20% of those who marry comprise 80% of the divorce. And, and that pattern has been seen throughout. So the 80-20 principle is highlighting uh, this across the different domains. So essentially, that's what the book is about. Um, now, basing on what you, you read about the Pareto principle, when it comes to work, the aspect of work, 
how do you usually manage it? And uh, what would be those particular parameters one should set up uh, in terms of work and scheduling? So how do you schedule your work based on the Pareto principle, which is the 820? The, I think the what what needs what uh, in order to apply the eighty twenty principle, you need to be able to identify what it is that you do which gives you the most return. I think you, it's it's difficult to do that without understanding that. So it it needs you to make an assessment of the work that perhaps gives you the most um, output, gives you the most reward as well. I think the, the also the the output is you know we can look we can look at it as also a reward. Um, it make it needs an assessment uh, to identify those things that generate give you the most value, and then you start you start doing the things, prioritizing those things that give you the most value, and keep you know um, checking that keep checking that it is giving you the most um, um, the most value. Of course, it might be difficult to to make a, do an exact. It's not an exact science, but it's. Um, what 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 the eighty twenty principle does as well is it 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 requires a mindset shift because often we think that um you, you whatever you give is what you get out so the harder I work the more I get out right uh so there's there's that mindset of balance that I I need to be able to to give fifty percent I get back fifty percent hundred percent back hundred percent so there's also the the requirement to to make to have a change of mindset. Um, but it's important that once you identify that, then you work towards that. I think one of the things that uh, I'm trying, from the principle I'm trying to, to do is, um, and of course this can apply in, in work as well as in personal life, it is in identifying that 80-20 principle, uh, look at, what you have previously done. So what have I done that I'm most proud of? Uh, when, you know, when, when I've invested time and energy in something that is hard, but that was rewarding. So what are the past projects that I'm most proud of, uh, which give me my, my overall sense of achievement and fulfillment? Then look at who are the people that I've learned most from. So it is of all the things that I do, whether it is the people I learn from, whether it is through podcasts or whatever, who are those that I always find I must, I, I find most interesting, which give me back the most. There might be just two. And then um, who do I enjoy talking to? What are those things that interest me? Um, am I interested in reading? If I'm reading, what am I reading? Is it development books? Is it business books? Um, and then is, it, is there something that I've done which I was not planning to do, which gave me a lot of excitement? For instance, was I given projects or was I asked to speak when I it was a when it was outside of my comfort zone, and then did I find actually that I enjoyed it? So that is what you did previously. Then in the present, what is it that is keeping you going? What is it that's sustaining you? Um, who who are you enjoying most being around, and what? What are the things you do, for instance, like exercises in your personal life, uh, in your work life, maybe uh, assignments, what food do you regularly eat that you actually enjoy? Then, in the future, what are the things that you're really looking forward to? 
So having identified those things that you most enjoy, give you the most return, you need those are then your 20%. And what you can do is double your effort in that 20%. I think that is what um, I'm trying to get out of this principle. Um, so by uh, doubling your 20%, it also means giving up on that 80%, which is not giving you return. So having understood what is your 20%, it is when somebody asks you to do something perhaps which is not within your job description and you really, really do not like to do it and you're not excited about, um, you know, you need to be able to say, you know, I need time to do my whatever that 20% is. Um, and there's also the, the concept that um, there's so many things, the 80% that we don't enjoy doing. Perhaps if you have the ability to do it, delegate that 80%. Um, in personal life, for instance, it is at home. Uh, uh, being able to, if you don't enjoy cleaning or whatever, perhaps you can delegate that to somebody. You can pay somebody to do it. You can do, you can don't enjoy doing research. You can perhaps do, uh, get someone to do it for you um, so that you're focusing your effort on the 20%, which gives you the most return. So scheduling your time sure. And your efforts towards that twenty percent. Yeah. Now, uh, to bring back a little bit into it, I would want to know about um, the aspect of uh, narrowing your product ranges and customer selection. This is in line with the uh, business because of the eighty twenty principle. So, how do you usually uh, ensure that you get the most out of your your clients using the 80-20 principle? I think what what I advised about identifying that 80, the 20%, which give you the 80% return. So if you're already in business, there is, you have the opportunity to assess based on your returns, based, based on your reward, the client which give you the highest return. That is something that you can do. And the products which give you the highest returns. The, the the there's the the principle has been seen for instance in in software products that people buy even you if you look at it when you buy any software do you use hundred percent of the features it's unlikely right it's yeah. more likely that there's just twenty percent of the features that you use therefore the eighty percent goes to waste right so in business identifying those which give you the most return. And in, in business, it's, it's much easier perhaps to, to, to measure the output because there are financial outputs, but there's also um, the feedback you get from customers, the customers who perhaps are easier to deal with, pay you quicker, who, um, who, who don't require as much effort. There's some customers who perhaps spend 80% of your time, but giving you back very little. And making that assessment is saying, I'm going to prioritize this, this 20%. And perhaps the 80%, if it's not giving me enough reward to justify my 80% effort, I then disengage. And it's likewise with products. Perhaps there are products that you have developed, which, which give you headaches. So giving you a headache means that uptake is not so good. Uh, the amount of resources you, you, you spend to, to develop further, to improve, to support, perhaps then become high. So perhaps those are the products that you need to disengage with. 
But what essentially the 80-20 principle is saying in business is sometimes we overcomplicate uh, our strategies by saying, I'm going to reach all these customers, I'm going to have all these products. And sometimes it's about once identifying, once you've identified the 20%, it is simplifying your business strategy so that you actually only focus on those which give you the highest return. I think that is essentially what it is, is to simplify. So not, not make it complicated, too many people, too many products, too many markets, but to simplify that so that your strategy is, is simplifying, focusing, and making sure that what you're delivering is what the, the customer wants, it's what the customer finds easy to use, it's what they is exciting the market. It's it's addressing a need that others are not addressing, and then you're focusing your resources on on making the the best of that. Yes. Um. So, uh, that is one aspect of um, like the work aspect. Now, it comes to relationships. Uh, how do you defend the relationships you are having with if you are applying the eighty twenty principle? Okay, maybe I can ask you that question. So having understood the the principle, what do you how would you apply it, for instance, in in in, in your relationships? I see what you did there. <laughs> you see what um, I did there? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um how do you question your relationship? Well, um there are friends who I will find deep uh, joy spending time with them. I won't be forced to be something I'm not or try to conform to, to, to what they want. So I would likely spend more time with people like that because that, those are the people who uh, I feel more comfortable with. So I'll spend more time with people like that, but doesn't mean I should sometimes you know stop talking to the others but meaning it's just i have more engagement with this other one compared to that so that helps uh, strengthen my relationship with the people who actually i care for and they also care about so i think that's how i would uh, i would apply it and uh, yeah and when yeah. it comes to to, to family and also uh, relatives, extended relatives. So that also applies the same way. People who you find more comfort with, you spend more time with, uh, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, uh, there's a quote that said, says relationships help us to define who we are and what we can become. And most of us can trace our, relationship, our success to pivotal relationships. That's a quote by... Donald Clifton, which is in the book. So essentially with relationships, the, the principle is the same. 80% of the value of our relationships come from 20% of the relationships. 80% of the value of our relationships come from 20% of close relationships that we form first in our lives. And we also devote much less than 80% of our attention to the 20% of relationships that create 80% of the value 
So here is a lesson in, in prioritizing those relationships which really matter. Um, so out of your networks, and I think when we look at relationships, we also need to look at the networks because we talk about networks, that um, that you your it's important to have a, a relationship. I mean, networks which which give you value, right? Uh, instead of being in all the networks, focus on the ones which give you value, um, and 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 you don't have to spend hundred percent of your time in these networks. You if you if you prioritize them, you can spend twenty percent of your time, yeah, and then get the most return. Uh, but it's great opportunity for you to contribute to uh, in within networks, contribute to your values, your I mean your passions, your expertise, um, and you know exchanging also wisdom is is one thing. But it's important that we spend the time and we nurture, as you said, nurture those relationships which are which are important, um, and 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 definitely reduce the time you spend on those and which don't give you much value because it doesn't give you value so why are you spending so much time on them so definitely reduce especially uh, the quality of the relationship so they say the book says talks about that for both personal and professional relationships having fewer and deeper instead of more and less uh, and uh, you know and less deep is much more much more gives you much more returns yeah. Yeah, that also reminds me of um that concept of um people saying that they have many friends on, on social media like Facebook and all that. I know Facebook is not so common nowadays. Let's give an example, maybe X, which is Twitter. So you find that someone is saying he has a lot of following and has a lot of friends. Uh, it's not on average, uh for you to have a productive relationship with someone. Uh, they say that the highest amount of people you can spend with are like a good productive relationship with is 200 people. Which? 200 people? Yes. No, that's no. a lot. That's a lot, but yes, it's, it's within that less than 200 people. So we find that for you to have any productive relationship with someone, you have to spend time with them. You have to ensure that you keep on nurturing relationships. You can't tell me you're going to nurture a relationship with multiple people. Uh, they won't really know you fully. They'll just know a portion of you. So for you to, you yeah. know, yeah, that's, that's on average, it is that there are 200 people you actually have a strong bond with. Even along, if you count from like when you were young up to now, the people you are close to are within that range, not more than that. So yeah, yeah. I think you're you're way better with the relationship than me, clearly, because I I cannot say that I have two hundred people. I know two hundred <laughs> people who I have. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I would have less than that for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. So I would definitely. They, they were they were actually evaluating according to engagement you you get with the person, and uh, the level you know, time you will spend with each person. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that is how they came up with that number. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, now, the next part. Um, 
we 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 talked about uh, happiness a bit. You you expanded it as you were you were you were beginning this session, and you're talking about you know generating happiness in work. What so in general. To be honest, when I talk about happiness, I feel like sometimes uh, people think it's a, it's a, I don't know. Think so it's, it's, a... it's more of like an illusion I... it because I think it's more of a state of mind. Uh, it can be on or off sometimes. So it's not permanent. So, but when it comes to the Pareto principle, uh, do you, how do you how, what were those key things found about happiness, the 80-20? I think mm, happiness, as you said, is, is, uh, is, um, is not permanent. It, it sometimes is very much dependent on events. Um, and I think happiness should perhaps be thought of, you know, being at peace and all that. So internally that, that you're, you're at peace, happiness could be, um, perhaps something very very external related externally driven but it does uh, the book does talk about seven habits of happiness um, but these are things which are in our control things which we we can do something about to make sure that we are happy we are happy uh, if I put that in quotes so the first habit is to live in a, a place which is um, favorable so a place where people are happy I think that helps. It says live in favorable 80-20 urban areas. Um, I'm not sure how we can define that in Uganda, but there you go. I think it's it's. I think for me, happiness would be if it came to living, is is living in a quiet place where there's lots of trees and where you can walk. Then you've got um, spending time with happy people. I think they say that uh, it rubs off on you. And then taking your control of your life, knowing, I think some of the things that we feel when we don't, we're not happy, we feel that we don't have the uh, right to do what we want to do, or we don't have control over our actions. So taking control over your life choices is, is, is very important. So that is 80-20. Uh, so you internally you feel that you are actually in control and sharing your passions and gifts uh, through relationships and goals. Um, and I think trying to be happy also helps. So laughing easily, uh, smiling often, spreading cheer, I think that helps. That's another habit. And then this hab the habit six is being able to reflect. I think there's a lot of advocates for mind mindfulness, a lot of hab advocates for meditation, um, and, and, and they say that that reduces anxiety. I've, I've not been able to meditate, but I do find being reflectful and being quiet, uh, spending time just think, thinking through things, through life and reflecting, that helps. And of course, there is exercising well, eating well, and taking care of your body. So that, those are the habits. But it's, 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 it's still 80-20 in the sense that you're picking those things which give you the most return. So, you know, the people, the fewest people, the people who give you the highest return, you want to spend time with them, those, those happy people. Uh, the life choices, try and make sure that you um, are able to 
to pick those choices which give you the most return. Uh, so it's it's that's how the principles apply to happiness. So, uh, uh, in a nutshell, uh, what you were talking about is about uh, priming the environment. And part of um, atomic habits, I learned from that. Where they were talking about uh, when you want to do something, is this the one you have set up uh, the environment to work for you, not against you? If you want to read yes. a book, make sure you, you know, have a reading table. Uh, you will make sure you sleep early or something like that you want to run in the morning. Uh, put on put your shoes nearby your bed, uh, making sure that the people you are around you are in support of, of, of what you are doing. Uh, and that is part of priming the environment. Uh, another fun thing about it is uh, my mom, uh, since she's in the counseling, she does guidance and counseling professionally. So she she told me once about uh, uh, there are two <clears throat> sorry about that there are two sorry. ways of learning one is uh, is you learn through uh, actually it was a person that so you learn through uh, the environment like the environment affects the way you learn so she gave an example. Mm -hmm. You're around people who are drunk and you'll find that you're leaning towards drinking. If you find, if you're around people who, who read, it's easy for you to read because in your environment you find that that is something yeah, easy to do and easy to reach. And for you to fit into the pack, you have to do the stuff people usually do. And uh, even it, the, the, there's another book I read about which also expounded more that that uh, they give an example of monkeys. So a monkey uh, would have a proper technique of, of let's say cracking a nut. So that's mm -hmm. coconut. So cracking it, they will have a technique of doing it, which is uh, very good and very superior. But if they go to another colony of, of monkeys or another group. They'll adapt the technique which those guys are using, even if it is not that efficient, just to fit into that environment. Yeah. Yes. Then the second principle, the second one which would work is, uh, is uh, this one is God gave you a brain to think for yourself. Um, so you have to, you decide on what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. So yes, you can be around people who are drinking, but it doesn't mean that you're supposed to drink. You can think for yourself and go through and understand that this is something I want to do and this is something I don't want to do. But it really helps if you're in the right environment. It is, yes, you can control yourself, but there's really not much you can do sometimes when yeah, your environment is against you. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think they say that having you know willpower is finite. That yes, sometimes you wake up in the morning, you have all the willpower, but we also burn out, we also get tired, and sometimes even in the environment where, as you said, you're surrounded by drunkards. If you don't have, if today you're having a bad day uh, and you don't have that willpower, you may not be able to resist. 
getting into to starting that habit and getting into it yeah so yeah it depends on on you as a person uh, so uh, the next aspect of it is uh, relationships um are um so this is more of uh, i think you, you uh, talked about it but you could highlight a little bit more about um, uh the relationship uh, the value of the relationships you have and how the book has highlighted the process of you know maintaining those relationships i think as as i had said before um that with the principle it's basically saying that for for both personal and professional relationships having fewer and deeper relationships is better than having more and less depth yeah so even when you spend a, um, a lot of time uh, together with someone but you find that it's not satisfying then you really should not be in that relationship um, because um, the more time you spend no, in a bad this, relationship yeah. the less time you will have to have the good ones yeah so when it comes to this um, uh, how do we define valuable you how do we quantify valuable that's i think one of the key things uh, we need to to look at this because uh, valuable varies variable relationship it's it's personal yes yes that's what i'm trying it's very to personal yeah. how do you feel well, some when, the person, when you spend time like, with a person when when, I, when when i'm hanging out i would want to okay. spend time with uh, maybe family or to relax and uh, someone else will be like me i would like to go for parties to, to relax so i think uh, the level of value of relationships and how we, we do that really varies based on your character traits based, and, based on uh, what, what gives you the reward yes because yeah. you 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 might have a friend who who likes going out yeah. and then when you go out with that friend you always feel drained yeah you know perhaps they you know they're just not giving you what you want in terms of uh your your what you're not having fun with that friend so why are you spending you might find that you're spending a lot of time with that person and then you find yourself little time for the perhaps the relationships that you would enjoy so why yeah. are you spending so much time with that that person so i think its value is is down to the person but also obviously in the professional setting it's also down to how you see yourself how you see yourself in terms of successful if you spend time with people who who perhaps support you to uh, deliver on projects that you find rewarding perhaps those are the people that you need to to be spending your time with and reward for you might be that feeling of of accomplishment it might be that you have potential to be promoted so it also depends but it it has to be based on your values and what you see as as important in your life and how you measure your your happiness or your success i think that's important yeah so 
so uh, that that reminds me of something about uh, about yeah it is now lost <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh my god so um yes i think let's continue because that one is truly gone i'm trying to record it but it is failing to come back uh, so what's the difference between uh, being busy and being productive that's i think one of the key things you need to so sorry the difference what's the difference between being busy and being productive i think we need to highlight a little bit about that i i think you, you know what busy is busy is you've got um you've got 10 things to do on your list and you have to and you feel that you have to do all of them and then you go after them you get interrupted with phone calls there's emails there's every kind of thing perhaps meetings but that is busy you 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 know you got you got things to do you 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 don't even have time to reflect on what it is that you really want to do that is being busy productive is that you know what is important and you're spending time to do that that which is important and that whatever it is you're doing is giving you that return that you want so you actually feel yes i've had a good day i mean you 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 know as well there are days where everything comes at you you've been busy you've been emailing you've been on the phone but at the end of the day you feel actually what did i actually accomplish today what did i what what was my end what was my output today apart from answering phones sending emails perhaps it, it you don't feel productive but you are busy so being productive is knowing that you have accomplished your goals the goals that you have prioritized i think that's what's important yeah. i don't know if, if you, i think yeah i think the, the biggest issue with this is um i'm one of the victims of such things being busy and not being productive but the whole aspect about it is uh, sometimes we we have this issue of uh, of not uh, having priority levels for 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 things on our to-do list. So you find you you want to do multiple things, but the level of you know productivity won't be easily quantifiable uh, in the aspect of uh, return on investment of time so you need to, to really look into that because as much as you say you're busy if, if it is not uh, something which is key at that time at that material time it makes it uh, still not valuable so i think you need to have like three major tasks or uh, yeah uh, three three major tasks in a day which you consider really valuable then the rest even if you don't do them or if you get caught up with time, if you have done those three major ones, you, you feel like, yes, we have achieved your goal. Instead of having everything high priority, high priority, now what is low? <laughs> so, like, you always you won't be able to be productive. And it still rotates around the 80-20 principles. The key thing which will bring the highest yield are the ones we should focus on. So that's uh, yeah. personal in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I've, I used to read, 
I came across this term uh, that you should have a not-to-do list. So you say, I'm not going to do emails before this time. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do face media. I think I've only got to understand that recently because what um, I've also realized that if you have the luxury of choice, which means you choose the things that you do, sometimes, of course, in the workplace, you don't have that luxury. You don't have the luxury of saying, I'm not going to go for this meeting because this meeting doesn't, we just talk about the same thing and end up, and it doesn't do anything for me. But if you do have the luxury of choice, then you can choose how you spend your time. You can choose the meetings you attend or not attend, which you can perhaps delegate if you have a team. You choose when to read your emails. I think a, a, a lot of organizations are run through emails. And if you don't respond to emails, that is not good. But if you have the uh, luxury of saying, I will only check my email maybe three times a day, or I will not go on social media if if you're not worried about your brand, um, the things which sub, which take away your time and which means you have less time for the important things. I think choice is an important uh, aspect of it, yes. Yeah, I think also in this day and age, emails have, have really become very key. I've noticed it a lot, especially when it comes to preparation for this podcast and other projects, teaching and all that. You find looking through your emails is really key. Uh, yeah. I, have to, uh, I used to maybe you send me a text and I call you back, but now I have to look through emails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Figure yeah. out. Yeah, the communication to avoid uh, mm -hmm. missing out on anything. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, let's, uh, in conclusion, we need to, so, to, first of all, Josephine, how do you think uh, one should apply the 80-20 principles in their lives currently? I think I've, I've really talked about that. Um, and I think, when we look at the things which give us the most return, we should look at all aspects of our lives, uh, whether it is um, our professional lives, our personal lives and our relationships, how we live our lives in terms of uh, the people we hang out with, uh, the books we read, the exercises we do, the food we eat, how we manage our health, uh, health and wealth. Those are important. Um, so I, I think, it, the, the key takeaway also is to um, is to to understand that um, you know you can you can you can do you can do you can have the most impact on the things that are important to you by applying this and even even within our society and our community we have we also have a tendency of of seeing the world and the big problems and saying, ah, oh, that's too big for me, I can't deal with it. But if we look at how how to live a better life, how to, to be much more, um, I don't want to use the word efficient, but how to be much more effective in, in our lives, then we can start even looking bigger in terms of taking the small thing that you can do and applying it to your real life. Because you now have a, a sense of priority um, of, things that are important to you and things which matter and you are devoting the time that you need to do that but you're becoming much much better as a human being 
um, I think that is something. And you're not wasting your resources, which are your your time, your money, your energy, your money, and all that. So I think it is important that we this principle can help us live a much better life, become better people, and then become better citizens overall. Yeah, true. So I guess Josephine has given you a takeaway from the book. Uh, me, I feel uh, I feel like uh, we should uh, ensure that in in life you you know where you want to go and uh, those key things you are supposed to do to reach your goals. And by that, you'll be able to to know what to choose and what not to choose. And you know it can be hard sometimes. So, uh, and uh, this is, uh, I've now remembered what I've forgotten. Uh, there's this aspect of uh, of um, people, people wanting uh, people to be around them, even if the person is not, you know, uh, being helpful to you or you're just existing because you're worried, you know, because the person is not maybe has some sort of influence, but at the same time, you feel you're not being productive around the person. Uh, I think, uh, uh, as, they, as I watched some videos sometime back for, it's called Let Them Go. Uh, it's, it's on YouTube, just search Let Them Go. Um, uh, the aspect of you wanting to be with people and find that the person is not helping you uh, should talk because uh, yes it's, it's not easy when they leave but you can seek help because it's it's not good to, to be in a relationship where you don't feel good so, is yeah, that uh, professor is that T.D. Jakes pastor T.D. Jakes let no, them go no it's, uh, it's this guy uh, I'm forgetting his name he he acted. He's an actor. Okay, I'll I'll look it up. He's an actor. I thought of, it was uh, the Pastor Jake's uh, one. Yeah, even TV Jake's has something to do with that. But uh, it's, it's part of a I think a movie skit uh, where we're talking about uh, why would you be with someone. When you're supposed to come home and you enjoy yourself, you are, you are visit, greeted with, <laughs> with insults and all that. Why don't you just let them go and you go on with your life? So, yes, some people are, yeah. as much as, yeah, but I understand that, yeah, it can be an issue. So, yeah, seek help. Yeah, there are guidance and counseling people. There, there, there are communities which can help you, you know, go through such situation because yeah, I understand if you've normalized it it's hard for you to get out of it. So yeah, you are having an seek help. I think that is my conclusion this week. Uh with that I would okay. like to end the podcast. Uh, thank you for that. Thank so you. Joseph, Thanks. How was it? Good. Uh